Welcome to Panel to Screen. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just super tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll it'll do it. It'll do it, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tired as well. But you know what? We are, uh, I'm, I'm also enthused and energized because we have finally arrived at the rose-colored retrospective that everyone's been waiting for as uh, fans and, and fanatics uh, and stands have been cheering forth, looking forward to the, the forthcoming Snyder Cut that will eventually come on HBO Max, uh, we still have this film to deal with. That's right, the original theatrical release of Justice League. Now, this is a rose-colored retrospective, and if you're not familiar with a rose-colored retrospective, it is where Bell and I take a look at a film that may or may not have been universally beloved or universally hated, and we just talk about what we love about it. There's no really, you know, hard critique that talks about what we don't like or, you know, this, that, or the other. We just really go in full positive all the time, or at least that's what we strive to do as part of the Rose Colored Retrospectives. Throughout this series of the release of the Rose Colored Cut, we've been going through various Snyder films or films that have existed in the DCEU uh, that are not just Zack Snyder's films. We've done uh, some others as well, and we have had some success finding completely new things to love about these movies, and some less than success uh, trying to rush through it so that we could get to the end. I, I'm I'm stoked for this one though, Bell, because I think this is this is definitely one of the ones that I found myself falling in love with this film in a way I'd never had before, and so uh, and that's that's for me when the rose-colored retrospectives become the most fun. Uh, that that's just me. I mean, not to tip the bean can, but uh, going into this man, I mean, like, how are you feeling? Are you is it is this uh you know is this easy or is this Angley Hulk? What what, what are we looking at? Here? <laughs> hey, I liked Angley's Hulk, kind of, sort of. Maybe uh, this, you know, it, it was interesting going in uh, into the theaters. I had certain expectations. Uh, I had zero expectations going into the rewatch. And I think that that helped frame uh, frame everything for me. And yeah, like, you know, there, there were a lot of things that I found enjoyable that I kind of, you know, that, that I that I that I liked about the film. Um, and I was it was much easier to sort of like glaze over the things that initially um, in our original you know review of it, I could just you know, glance over those, um, and, and just focus on the positive stuff. So yeah, rewatching, uh, definitely allows you to sort of, you know, set your expectations before going into it. And, uh, overall, I, I feel like it, it helped me enjoy the movie more. You know, expectations is really key. I think for this franchise as a whole, right? Like, I feel like there's, there was almost like these, these two warring factions in the timeline or in the time frame that these movies came out. And that is fan expectations versus Snyder's vision. And the reality is, is that like they kind of came to a head in this movie when it was first released. But I got to tell you, even even with all of that, and even as as I think probably once we get done and we kind of get to the last, uh, you know, la- last film, I think we can even do maybe a retrospective on on the franchise as a whole. But but you know, <laughs> there is something to be said for you know looking at a movie for what it was for what we got. And yeah, this this one, man. First of all, I just want to say it right here and now, okay? We're not going to talk about the mustache. That's that's this is a rose-colored retrospective, all right? So like at the time, you may not have been you may have, you know, gotten distracted by the lips, right? The CGI lips. But here's the thing. I mean, it, it's really hard to unsee, but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about it cuz the thing is, when you're not focused on that, you know what you do? You pay attention to what's going on and Superman having a tender moment with kids. And that's actually a really really like great moment. That's a great Superman moment. Um, this movie, 
wrestles with these these dual identities of being kind of trying to to create these uh, fan moments or, or kind of essentially not even fan moments, but these moments that are true to who the who we know the characters to be in the comics, while all also wrestling with the Elseworlds interpretation of who these characters have been in universe. Um, that is that is the challenge of this movie, and I think that for the components that it's made of, there are great moments to speak to either one of those realities. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I, I see where you're coming from. It's basically you have you know, Snyder. Snyder's vision and Joss Whedon's vision. Joss Whedon is more, uh, I feel like his allegiance is more to the comic book interpretation. Yes, he wanted to get us back on brand, so to speak. He was trying to get these uh, characters to be more familiar to who they were in the comics. So like moments like that of Superman, like taking a breath when asked a question, like an honest question from a kid about, you know, what his favorite thing about Earth is. And, you know, Superman could have just like said, you know, anything and then just flew off. But he actually took a moment to think about it and realized, man, that's a tough question. There's so much to love about Earth. And that's that's not a moment, I think, from, you know, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised. I, I love that moment because it's true to who the character is in the comics. I would be surprised if we end up seeing that in the Snyder Cut because I don't know that that's true of who the character has been in this universe. Thus, the uniqueness of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's really interesting about it too, right? Is is you know, obviously Snyder's vision and where he was going with the franchise is completely different than what uh, a lot of comic book fans were expecting, and um, seeing like it, it's it's it, it, it blatantly obvious in uh, Justice League with just you know you have the two different directors coming in and, and like you know scenes are are um, uh, you know the the tonality of them changes between different scenes and things like that and you can really tell that uh, um, the differences there and how Snyder wanted to go and how Whedon wanted to go and uh, it just it, it really it kind of makes me sort of excited to see where Justice League or uh, the Snyder cut's going to go. Because, you know, rewatching all this stuff that we've done, it's it really put everything in a different lens. And it's kind of like, you know, reinforced that idea that this is an Elseworlds tale. And uh, my preconceived notions of who Superman was and who Superman is from the comics don't necessarily apply in Snyder's universe. And so with that frame of mind, it, it's it's going to be a lot easier for me personally to jump into the Snyderverse and just see where Zack wanted to take it. I think that's I think that's a really neat opportunity for uh for fans is to kind of you know keep that in mind before we're watching these films over you know and and, and seeing that this is a different elseworld style tale that zach was trying to tell and uh with justice league it's kind of interesting because you know you have whedon in there doing the exact opposite of that <laughs> and so yeah it's it's it, it's you know it, it it pulls and tugs in different directions but uh you know overall uh the rewatch was was it was entertaining you know see this this is the thing though the the rewatch allowed me to really focus in on on the moments on the components because there's you're right there's components of different visions for what this movie should be but if you actually just pause and take them for what they are they're really really great and, and it's not i would even argue in in the movie at least you know from a rose color retrospective standpoint it's not even like oh i like you know whedon's insert versus uh snyder's insert you know example uh, you know, uh, moments that like, like the Superman being asked what he loves about Earth. That's that, what I loved about that is that's true to who the spirit and character of Superman that I know uh, broadly would be. Uh, another aspect, though, that's more of, you know, you could kind of see as more of a, a Snyder uh, type of uh, influence is the fact that Batman uh, 
didn't really seem to care about protecting his secret identity. Everybody's calling him Bruce Wayne all over the place. That was something that people threw criticism at at the time because that doesn't seem like something that Batman would do. But you have to remember in Snyder's universe, like this is a Batman, for one thing, that's very different from the comic books that, that's, you know, marking people for assassination, essentially. Uh, and it seems totally comfortable with that. This is this is a, bat, a much darker take on the character. Uh, and beyond that, he's also dealing with, you know, in the face of apocalypse, who cares about secret identities? He is very much going into this with with the mindset that he's about to die. So I actually, you know, whereas that kind of bothered me the first time around, I actually appreciated it a lot more the second time around. Yeah, it sort of ups the stakes, right? Like if Batman's willing to just go around, you know, telling everybody his secret identity, uh, then clearly something is up and and it's less important to him to keep that hidden than it is just to be like, I need to convince you to help me to stop the world from going away because that's, those are the stakes, right? It's, it's the end of the world. And so who cares if, if, you know, some uh, small fishing town in uh, Iceland or wherever uh, knows that you're, that you're Batman. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I mean like, and, and, you know, so that, that's, that's great. And (laughs) I got to tell you the, the Iceland uh, sequencer when, when he's uh, meets Aquaman Every single time I see that scene, man, like the first time I saw it re- during the rewatch, it always reminds me of Thor's introduction from Ultimates. Do you, ever, do you do you remember that? I know that's kind of a long time ago since you probably read that that graphic novel. Uh, I don't think so. So it's kind of like a rock and roll take on Thor, uh, as opposed to being the verily I fly thee from the Rainbow Bridge. It was much more of like a you know hard drinking, chilling out. You know, um, he had kind of a cult that followed him around, kind of like a hippie. Um, but more like a, you know, again, like a hardcore, you know, uh, uh, picking up the keg and drinking straight, you know, straight from it type. And, uh, and I think he was actually on a barge where he's being recruited by, I wanted to say Iron Man, but I can't quite remember. Uh, it has been a minute, but no, there's just something about Momoa's take that just, it, it's got a very Thor or at least an ultimate version of Thor feel to it. Interesting. They were going for like a pro wrestler type of a mixture of a pro wrestler, a tip, a hippie and like a, a rock star. So kind of, <laughs> uh, also, you know, I, I, I mentioned this on Twitter, man, but uh, one of my favorite things that this franchise has given us, I, I, I still think that Wonder Woman's theme is probably one of the most iconic things. Like when this fran- when when the franchise is rebooted uh, and we have completely new actors portraying different characters. I, I see Wonder Woman's, you know, like that's going to come back. I, I think that's going to be something that uh, much like other music we heard in this movie will, will, you know, be reoccurring down the line. It is certainly the most iconic of the themes of this uh, universe. Yeah. And you made mention of some of the theme music you noticed this time around too. Yeah. So I, I don't know what it was about the first time I watched it where I never noticed it, but there are tons of uh, little interludes in the score of Danny Elfman's original uh, Batman 89 theme and John Williams's uh, Superman, the movie theme, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, you know, in kind of like iconic character moments or whatever of Batman and Superman, they would interject those little, riffs uh as it were of the original themes that john williams and danny elfman did for superman and batman and i i thought that was really cool i I had never noticed that before uh until i watched it now yeah yeah yeah. that i I can't remember i guess it was the superman theme was the first one that kind of caught my ear and i was like huh how did i not catch that (laughs) like it's so (laughs) iconic but i think they use it in such a uh they're able to make these iconic they're utilize these iconic themes in such a such a subtle way that um, it does kind of flow and pl- pays a nice homage 
uh, in the midst of, of the chaos. And I, I use chaos in a loving term, uh, in a loving, loving capacity here. Um, you know, something else I noticed this time around, uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman versus Bruce Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I guess that actor hadn't had yet to portray Roose Bolton at that time, huh? I think so. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 on that. But uh, good, good, good little phase of his career. Yeah, yeah, getting his butt kicked <laughs> by Wonder Woman. Well, yeah, and then going off to you know, I guess be beheaded by his uh, son or stabbed in the back. I can't yeah, remember. but not I, before I killing a pregnant lady and all of her family. Now oh, the Boltons, man. Boltons. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Spoilers <laughs> for Game of Thrones. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that was that was kind of fun. Uh, let's see what else, man. Um, Batfleck continues to be the most iconic Bat Batman, or at least not iconic, but most most comic accurate Batman of all time. Yeah, like it just I always dig like all the costumes that Batman puts on in this movie. I love. Uh, I, I love like his just uh, stances that he takes and like you know using the grapple gun and everything, and just the way he moves uh, feels very comic booky. I mean, it almost makes it look as if he has superpowers when he really doesn't. And, uh, you know, I, I always appreciated that about the, the uh, Batfleck, is that that's, you know, it's just a really, really great representation of, like, the comic on screen. It's a fantastic casting, man. Like, you know, Ben Affleck, I mean, obviously he's got a, a ton of love and appreciation for the character, um, as you mentioned, like the crouches and everything just, just feels, you know, at one point he's like literally in the dark Knight rises, like crouch, um, and, and just embodying these panels. And that is something that obviously is a very Snyder thing, right? We even commented during the Batman V Superman Rose Kelly retrospective. It's, it's almost like watching the most expensive motion graph, you know, motion comic of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of carry continues on that. I'm not, not all the way through, but definitely at, in, at times. Yeah, and and it's it's really cool. It's it, you know it's really interesting though to see like Snyder's interpretation of Batman is just so different from the comic, but like they nail the um, like physical kind of aspects of that, like how he crouches, how he moves, all those kinds of things. Um, but like the other more, I guess I don't know, like esoteric things about his character, like he doesn't kill and things like that. Like all of those things uh, are different, but like everything that's sort of like physicality wise and things like that movement wise that make Batman Batman are still in there, which I think is kind of cool. I want to talk about cyborg here for a minute because, um, I, I, you know, this, this is, this is a compliment. This isn't meant to be a criticism. It's certainly not a criticism of this movie. I think if anything, it's a, it's a credit to this movie. I feel like this movie did a really good job of picking up where a cyborg movie we never got left off. (laughs) Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, like there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I feel as though we're supposed to have seen a cyborg movie before this, and and you know, granted, we got that you know two seconds in Batman v Superman, which I guess is the cyborg movie. Uh, but like you know, you almost kind of feel like this, his origin story, which you know, granted, again, we got that two seconds in in Batman v Superman, but like his origin story film would fit very nicely as a setup to this movie. You know, like, like I, I kind of hope that if they ever go back and make the Cyborg movie, because at one point they were going to, I don't know if they still are, but at one point they were going to, my hope is that rather than kind of pick up where Justice League left off, is they actually go back and give us kind of a precursor. Because uh, as we have seen, like with Wonder Woman, for, for example, like doing 
pre-movies or movie setups actually enhance some of these other movies. And I feel like that would be the case here. Yeah, it totally enhances the watch through. And, and that like the cyborg movie would be a great place to introduce the concept of mother boxes and like where they come from and like all those different things that they, you know, that they had to kind of like squeeze into this film because they didn't really have an opportunity in the previous films to really go into it. And so, yeah, like that would be a great jumping off point for a lot of that. And, uh, you know, especially since cyborg is kind of like so attached to the mother box, um, you know, it helped create him and whatnot. So that'd be a great place to kind of explain that. And then like on a rewatch, you know, you watch Batman v Superman and then you watch Cyborg and then you watch Justice League and everything would flow so much better. Just like how we watched Wonder Woman first and it sort of just set everything up and, and it really made the, the watch through. A, I appreciated the watch through a lot more watching Wonder Woman first. Oh, a hundred percent. Like it really did enhance like the Batman v Superman watching uh, or not, not just like her interaction in it, but certainly her interaction in it. Um, having had that perspective on the universe and, and her backstory kind of pre-established and, you know, even like this, you know, they, they, you know, reference, for example, Steve Trevor is, you know, Batman kind of throws Steve's name at her and also asks the question of, you know, Hey, you know, Superman was symbol of hope. Why aren't you, you, you are a superhero. You can do all of these fantastic things and you're just chilling out in a museum. And, you know, the fact that Steve is dead, in this movie and the fact that she isn't yet a symbol of hope, despite what we've seen in both of those two <laughs> to both of those two points in the 84 film makes me think that that movie, that wonder woman 84 is going to answer that question, right? Like we are going to see perhaps what it was that maybe either took her off the stage, maybe even erased her from the memory of the public. Um, you know, we, we've seen Steve Trevor kicking around, but but have we? I, I don't know, you know, like spoilers, but clearly he's dead by the time of Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's going to end on a dark note. And, and that would be, again, something really cool if we ever do like another rewatch of the DCEU to watch Wonder Woman 84 before some of these other films. And like then that scene is going to have a lot more context and it's going to hit a lot harder, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's where I really think that, you know, again, like if, if we were to have a cyborg film down the line, I would hope that it would actually be set before this movie so that we can get the origin story that I feel like would work really well with the movie. Now, I love cyborg in this movie. I love that they kind of uh, kind of almost combined him with Blue Beetle, the second Blue Beetle specifically with kind of the, the suit he can't control and it's kind of constantly uh, fighting against him. And, and, you know, at one point he's his self, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of evolving. He's like techno evolving as, as the movie goes forward. Yeah. Now, do you think that was an intentional thing to sort of like roll in aspects of blue beetle just, uh, to, to, I guess, give a more interesting sort of, uh, uh, story to, to cyborg since we didn't have anything in the beginning. I mean, maybe I, you know, it, it it's, it's possible. I, the, the concept of kind of the, you know, the alien, like a pseudo alien Iron Man esque suit that's um, kind of taking control that the user has to fight against seems to be a concept that DC likes to play around with. So possibly, uh, you know, I mean, I I don't think we're getting a Blue Beetle film anytime soon. So why not why not test out some of those concepts here? But I, I thought I thought it worked, and it it made him a very interesting character because when you think about it, Cyborg is. You know, obviously he can be a brawler in a fight, but he's also a blaster. He's got the ability to, you know, you know, produce range attacks. He can hack into most systems, which, you know, perhaps when Cyborg was first 
uh, uh, showcased probably was not nearly as, uh, well, what am I trying to say? In the modern context, Cyborg is much more powerful than he would have been back when he was first, you know, initially introduced in the comics. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just with the way the technology is kind of advanced, runs our world, and you know, now like social engineers are our own mindset. So, Cyborg, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of potential with that character. So I, I do hope that we we see more of him in the future. Um, the Batman Wonder Woman dynamic, uh, always always great. You know the security system you know spent a lot of money on it yeah it looked expensive you know kind of <laughs> kind of thing and, and the whole alfred sort of like quips about you know him wanting to date diana that's always kind of kind of funny yeah i mean like do you ship him uh i mean i don't know like i that's the thing is you know with, with zach's vision on this like i don't know if he would go more of a you know new 52 superman uh diana ship i mean obviously there's lois lane there uh, but think he yeah, i think zack snyder's going on a zack snyder yeah like there's no new 52 in this like zack snyder has like this vision and I, you know honestly we were not prepared back then for zack snyder's vision we just well, weren't. I, we weren't. I, and i don't know if that's necessarily his fault or the fault of the marketing and what audiences were kind of like you know given i guess i don't know it, it just it feels like you know, a lot of times we're expecting comic book movies and, and a lot of the Marvel films, they weren't necessarily 100% comic accurate, but they were definitely way more uh, uh, based with the comics than the than the Snyder films were, right? And so, like, I don't know if that's just a marketing failure where they should have been, you know, um, Dark Snyder, maybe maybe even tag it like Elseworlds or something like that. Well, but see, that's the thing. I mean, like, so the, if, if there's quote-unquote fault to blame, I think it's really Warner Brothers... Uh, hiring Zack Snyder in the first place, not because Zack Snyder is bad at his job or anything like that, or not even because these movies are bad or his vision was bad. I think that he had a vision for a dark cosmic fantasy set in the in a DC universe in, in a DC universe. Um, but that's not what audience wanted at the time. That's certainly not what the um, you know what the studio wanted at the time. So they they kept him from being able to really tell the story he wanted to tell. And audiences kind of rejected it because we're like, no, we we really want, you know, and, and part of it was just like, you know, Marvel was was creating this moment where superheroes were kind of entering into the, you know, public consciousness, into the lexicon. And it's like, all right, you know, we got these epic Marvel movies. Let's get some epic DC movies. And DC was like, actually, we're going to do kind of art house and, and do this kind of crazy different direction uh, because y'all loved 300. Let's, let's, let's get Zack Snyder on this. And, you know, like I said, I don't think we were prepared for his vision. And honestly, now we are like, we now live in a world where like the multiverse is a common under like the, the average Joe on the street is going to understand the concept of a multiverse. You know what I mean? Like, like audiences are different now and Marvel kind of did that work. And now I think this, this really could, could have worked in, you know, especially a post 2020 world. I think, I think the, a dark cosmic fantasy people would be like, yeah, all right, let's go. Yeah. I, I just kind of wish that they had leaned heavier into the um, um, like multiverse from the get go. I, I think that would help a lot of people set their expectations properly yeah. on a lot of these films, realizing sure. that there is a multiverse, that there is another version of Superman out there, and that this isn't necessarily him. So stop, you know, typing in all caps and in internet comments about how you hate this interpretation of him, right? Like, I don't. Yeah, appreciate it for what it is is kind of the mantra of the the rose colored retrospective in general. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, one of the things I, I absolutely loved about this, so, you know, and I put this on Twitter, that everyone else is playing patty cake with the uh, parademons, 
while Aquaman goes straight for the big bad midway through the first act. Like, I loved that, man. Like, parademons show up and everybody kind of like, oh, I'm going to fight a parademon here and there. Aquaman sees, uh, uh, you know, Horns McGee and he grabs his fork <laughs> and he's like, wah! And he just stabs him. He's like, grabs his helmet and everything. It's it's great. And I'm like, man, he's trying to have the big, like the boss fight now. Yeah. <laughs> you hadn't even cleared the first level, dude. Like, I loved that, man. That was great. Yeah. And, and I, I mentioned this when I was in the live tweet, but I really think those underwater scenes uh, looked better than some of the underwater scenes in Aquaman. <laughs> Oh, well, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to going uh, rewatching Aquaman because I think if I'm remembering correctly, I enjoyed that movie more than you did. Um, but no, th- there's, it's a different take, right? Like Aquaman, what will eventually get in Aquaman is kind of more of a popcorn movie, whereas this one is still in kind of that dark gothic uh, Atlantis, right? Like the feel underwater is still very uh, goth. We're, we're not getting, you know, Mira's not wearing kind of the scuba looking suit. She's wearing like armor. Like we're, we're, we're rocking... We're rocking in Snyder in the Snyderverse here. Yeah, <laughs> the waters are murky. Um, uh, oh, you know, I, I I don't think I I don't mean for this to be a criticism, but the the whole uh, there's a fraction of a chance Batman thing is is very reminiscent of what he said in Batman v Superman with you know oh if there's even a a fraction of a chance that he could destroy the world we have to take that as an absolute certainty it's like oh if there's even a fraction of a chance that he could come back to life we have to take it it's like man don't tell batman there's a fraction of a chance to do anything because he'll do it he'll do it right now yeah (laughs) what's also funny is that like the argument that he uses to bring him back is the same argument that um uh boromir uses to try to use the one ring against sauron right yeah because he's like no i mean we have the weapon of the enemy we should use it you know and they're like yeah and gandalf's like nah it's not a good idea but Everybody else was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, most everybody. I mean, Diana kind of points out like, hey, um, cool thing. You know, the whole uh, bringing people back from the dead, kind of playing with godlike powers here as the only godlike individual in the room. Uh, maybe let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I really like the, the conversation that they had because uh, and again, the um, and, and we did have Wonder Woman before Justice League. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and so um, we didn't need the context uh, in in this in this sense from a uh, you know a watch through like we did with some of the Batman v Superman stuff, but you know her talking about technology and how it can be used uh, in, in harmful ways like really you know rings true what she saw during World War One and what we saw of her in um, in Wonder Woman and so I thought that was a really neat um, uh, thing there to kind of you know show that that these characters do learn things and they do grow. And, and yeah, I, I appreciated that little bit. I, I, I just didn't pick up on it the first time I watched and, uh, I rewatching everything now, it's kind of, you know, cemented that. And, um, I, I like that little dialogue that she had there with Bruce. So we got to talk about what is, I mean, without doubt, the greatest moment in this movie. I mean, like, I, I think, I think it's, it's safe to say, I mean, like, you know, I've already mentioned there's this, this movie is, composed compiled uh there are so many wonderful components so many great moments uh aquaman's interaction with everybody i think is a is a highlight um but look in the fight with superman everybody's trying to hold him down our boy barry allen goes straight for the ch- the throat and tries to choke no 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 that, 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 that. our boy barry <laughs> allen. sorry sorry uh i should have known that our boy good. That boy Barry Allen running around him. Dude, I remember the moment that I switched to the side. I like stood up and 
cheered in the theater. And once again, I was like screaming at the house, man. Like I, that is I, for me, that is the best moment in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, that's, I agree hundred percent. Like absolutely one of my favorites, just, you know, he's oh, Flash is like, I got this. I'm going to run around. And then like, you just see, you know, he's, you know, holding everybody back. And then he just glances over to the side and you're like, uh Oh, <laughs> it's about to get real. <laughs> Flash does not know what he is doing. <laughs> That was that was great. That I mean, that was just again. Those are those are the kind of moments that speak to a a kind of a, a like truth within the comics, right? Like this idea for the first time that Flash is like coming into contact with somebody who can actually match him on speed. Um, kind of close. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. Close enough. Close enough. He could turn his head. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty pretty incredible. Um, Flash, of course, you know Ezra Miller is Barry Allen. Is, uh, is a lot of fun. Like, you know, and, and we've talked about this before, and this is true of the universe as a whole. Uh, these are alternate interpretations of the characters that in some respects, in many respects, are nothing like their comic book counterparts because this is a completely different universe. And this is a very different Barry Allen. But it's a really fun Barry Allen. Ezra's take on the character is is a lot of fun. Like, that is just an undeniable truth. Yeah, and I have to wonder if, if having a fun Barry was originally part of uh, Zach's plan. Uh, because like you know he has these dark and brooding interpretations of batman and superman um if he was like let's throw flash in there let's have him not be like he is in the comics let's have him be a little goofy and awkward uh to kind of lighten that up and um you know maybe kind of on the spectrum even yeah yeah and you know maybe even give him uh uh that sort of i guess bit of brightness that that is is lacking in a lot of these other characters well, a little bit of a, like, it, there's a youth element. Because, right, because Cyborg and, and Barry are, or Victor and Barry are kind of the, the younger characters. But even Cyborg, I think because of the, like, everything that he's been through recently, like, the trauma of having his body ripped apart and everything, like, you don't really get a youthful sense of Cyborg um, like you do in Barry. Barry has a very uh, light, youthful energy about him. He's not even the Flash at this point. He's got, he's got a... I, you know, I, I like the costume. I don't care what anybody says. I, I like his costume. Uh, I think it's cool. Um, but at this point, he, he's not even going by the Flash. That name doesn't even come up until uh, he crosses paths with our Barry from, from the CW universe. Yeah, which is... Which, by the way, has been confirmed. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's awesome. That's totally awesome. And, 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 you know, speaking of Flash and speed and stuff like that, that's one thing that I really do like that... Um, the way they interpret or not interpret, I guess the way they shoot speed in this movie by mixing um, uh, like slow-mo shots and like high speed shots uh, really just gives the effect a lot of weight and, and a lot of like presence. And I, I really like how they do super speed in this movie. Like it's uh, wonder woman uh, in particular uh, Superman as well. Um, and, and definitely the flash, like the speed force kind of, you know, has its own sort of like, you know, effects and stuff going on in the background, but like still um, the, the way he runs, I, I like the, the, weird skiing kind of thing yeah. i think it's i think yeah. it's kind of neat um I, you know that it's it's interesting because they're like it's a what do, what do you think the inspiration for that run is uh speed skating is that it i mean that's what it looks like to me speed skating okay okay like you know i just I, I i what is it is it not distance runners but like sprinters and and like um folks that do the the leaping thing they run and then they leap over things long jump maybe but but like they keep they they run and the, no 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 it's not long jump because like there's little things you have to jump and oh you're talking about hurdles hurdles yeah. thank you yeah it it kind of seemed a little bit like 
maybe like hurdle jumping. But now that you mentioned the the skiing or the the ice skating thing, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It it just it kind of looks like speed skating to me. Yeah. No, I mean, like you know, to some extent, maybe there's something to that, right? Like the Joker has his iconic laugh, uh, and the Flash needs an iconic run. Yeah, for sure. I can see it. So yes, uh, you know, we do ultimately get uh, the the big clash at the end. I I love that. Um, you know, obviously Bruce spends the entire movie trying to get a team together, and then they get to the big boss fight, and he's like, "All right, uh, y'all go distract him. I'm I'm gonna go do a thing. Good luck." <laughs> Yeah, don't, which of course they call him out for, which is, you know, fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess that's Bruce for you. I don't know. <laughs> I loved it, man. And, and I mean, like, you know, some of the criticism at the time was about how a lot of the, the narratives don't really flow very well. Going back and rewatching this movie, you actually do get some pretty good character arcs in here that maybe I just wasn't allowing myself to pick up on the first time. Um, you know, like Bruce and Diana's whole kind of duo character arc of Batman, you know, can't just sacrifice himself, can't just like destroy himself for the sake of destroying himself. If he wants to, you know, if he wants there to be a team, he has to be part of the team. Uh, Diana, you know, is has been in the shadows and she hasn't taken the lead and she doesn't want to because that means sending people to their deaths. And so she gets to take the lead and not only does she not send people to their deaths, her first job is to go and save somebody from killing himself. Um, so, you know, there's, there's great things that would, you know, that, that, Good stuff. Well, Good stuff. Yeah, and another thing that I, I think just totally glossed over the first time I watched was the the um, Batman Flash uh, mentor mentee relationship there. Where oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah like the, I have never done battle before line you know <laughs> you know stuff like that and Batman's like look save one person that's all you got to do and then you'll know what to do and like I thought that was really cool and uh, you know it, it feels kind of similar to the Tony Stark um, uh, uh, Peter Parker relationship in there yeah very much so it's yes. it's not like the comics sure and i know a lot of you know marvel fans were big detractors on that as well but it works in that universe and i think this batman flash relationship works in this universe and i'm really excited to see more of it yeah we'll get a closing of it it's based on you know from everything that we we know uh the bat fleck is coming back to to kind of close the chapter on on that which will uh which will be well it'll be nice it'll be a nice way to uh, to do it um, cause you're right. They, they do, you almost get kind of an establishment of, of something there. You also get an establishment speaking of relationship, you know, Batman doesn't not like Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it was Batman V Superman before, but now it's kind of Batman plus Superman after this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this, this is another, this is another aspect right here that I'm really excited about the Snyder cut for. Cause I want to see. It feels. Oh, that had to be a Whedon. I'm yeah. not, no, that was not a. That was not a I feel like the Snyder Cut is going to have a lot of fallout between those two, and that's going to be something that's fundamental to to how it goes. And so that's something that I'm really excited about. But yeah, because I mean, you know, a lot of people would complain and say that's really forced, and it came out, you know, and and all these different criticisms of that. But I feel like that's because it wasn't supposed to be like that. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, there's there's that's exactly right. I mean, even in what we've seen thus far with the promo for the Snyder cut, you know, in, in this movie, we end with the team all standing together. The sun is rising. Uh, the, the damage is becoming kind of this, uh, foresty kind of crystalline, like, you know, uh, Fantasia esque something or another going on. And that's not right. We're not supposed to end in heaven. I think we're supposed to end in hell. Like when this is all done, uh, you know, in that establishing shot, they're kind of overlooking wreckage with the chopper or with the javelin coming to pick him up, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, that 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 again feels like something that I feel like the endings of these of the Snyder cut and the Whedon cut are going to be vastly different. Right. I mean, we we just got all of our heroes together to fight off this, you know, Steppenwolf, who's the baddest of the bad that we've ever seen, took everything we got. And by the way, he's not even the real threat. The real threat is going to be, you know, potentially staring right at him. Um, you know, that epic sequence in the in the past, I'm looking forward to maybe even an expansion of that to some extent in the Snyder Cut, because obviously that was a, a highlight in this mo- of this movie. Um, the Green Lantern ring flying off. Yeah, you know, where the, was the, the lantern, you know, this fight? Well, so here's the question here, right? <laughs> like the promotional material at the time was about uniting the seven. And there, I mean, I guess Alfred was there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is Alfred finally getting uh, getting his props, right? Like, I mean, maybe. Maybe, I know. Probably not. Who was the seventh? Who was the seventh? That's the question, right? Who was the seventh? Martian Manhunter. General. Uh, it was Martian Manhunter. Yeah, General uh, uh, Swan Lake. You think so? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I know that Snyder's all but confirmed that, but. Do you think that that was the original intent? I know that that will be in the Snyder cut that we are going to at least get a nod to the fact that he is the Martian Manhunter. But I'm wondering if, you know, because we saw the Green Lantern in the original kind of flashback sequence, was there supposed to be maybe Abin Sur like rolling in for the final fight here? I mean, I feel like maybe. Like what? I mean, what else could it be aside aside from, you know, Martian Manhunter? And certainly, I mean, it could have been Martian Man. I mean, like, I guess that's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, yeah, no, that, that'd be my guess. That, I mean, I, I just, I feel like it's one of the two. It's one of the two. Um, but regardless, like, again, one of the greatest things about doing this rewatch is I not only did I find a, a newfound appreciation for the movie that we got, it got me so hyped for what Snyder's uh, take on it's going to be. And, you know, as many people have said, you know, the Snyder, you know, Snyder's recut isn't going to quote unquote fix the film. The Batman v, v Superman, we watched the director's cut and, you know, it did not quote unquote fix the film. Snyder has his flaws. That is true. Uh, but he also has a vision he really wasn't able to execute. And that's what we want. We want to, at this point, see what he was really going after. So now that he's got the budget, now that he's got the footage that he's got, the entire cast is willing to provide voice voice work to see this thing done right there is a vocal uh group of fans who have been championing for the snyder cut to finally be released uh we will get that in the future and i'm i'm looking forward to doing that man not not looking at it through the rose-colored lenses because i'm never doing that again on something i've never seen before <laughs> but yeah yeah it, I'm, I'm it's gonna be great yeah and that's that's the thing you know i i really want to see where he was going with it um i'm making no guarantee like 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 you said with batman v superman when watch the extended edition it didn't fix anything in my opinion, but this is not, you know, this is a rose colored retrospective. I, I I do. I am really excited. I want to see where he's going with it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those people who thinks it's going to be the greatest thing that's ever been made. The greatest superhero film that's, you know, ever been filmed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I am excited to see where his story ends up. And so I think, you know, yeah, definitely not going to do the rose colored approach on the first take. We're going to, you know, look at it critically like we normally do when movies come out. And, um, but uh, but it's, I'm not apprehensive going into this like I have been some DC films um, in the past. Yeah. Yeah. No, same thing, man. You know, and, and like I said, 
things are a little bit different in 2020. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and Snyder, Snyder films feel right for 2020. So yeah, bring it on, bring on the Snyder cut, man. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, and this this was uh, this was a good one. Any any other final thoughts uh, about the Justice League? Um, it, it's funny. One musing I was thinking last night. I, I was you know going back thinking you know this this second watch has been enjoyable. I enjoyed this much more than I did when I watched it in theaters. And I was sitting there thinking, I wonder how much of that is Whedon stuff and how much of that is uh, of other things that I enjoyed. How much of that was Snyder? And like, I'm, I was curious about that because at least now I have the mindset and in, in, in the you know, headspace to go into when watching the Snyder cut to like understand that this is an Elseworlds thing and all that kind of stuff and just to experience what he's talking about. But like, I... Yeah, like there, there are things that I remember enjoying more this time around. And I was, and just in the back of my mind, I was like, was that Whedon or was that Snyder? <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. But I mean, like to some extent, I didn't even, you know, the things I liked, I liked. And whether or not it was Snyder versus Whedon, you know, I, I, I get the sense that, for example, Aquaman, Aquaman had a lot of quips. But I kind of feel like they were Snyder clips quips i don't think they were whedon quips i think some of it maybe i think all the batman quips were whedon batman quips the batman quips were likely whedon quips that's true um and i mean like a lot of the flash stuff as well to some extent i mean like you know i don't know i'm i'm curious man i'm bring it on bring on the snyder cut release it <laughs> i'm here for it now <laughs> i was not before but i am now uh, hey, we want to let people know, uh, too, that uh, if, if they have enjoyed this series, uh, don't worry. We did get to the uh, the, the, the seminal. Is that the right, right, right word? Uh, the, the pivotal? What are you, the, what are you, what are you talking about? The, the, the thing, the crescendo, the, the pen- climax? Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we're here at, at Justice League, but we're going throughout the entire universe. So even though we have arrived at Justice League, we... We are looking forward to uh, also going through Aquaman and doing Shazam. Um, are those the only two remaining or is there any others beyond that? Because I'm pretty sure that's it. I think we go Aquaman and then we go Shazam. Yeah, Aquaman and Shazam. And Shazam. Kinda, yeah. Yep. And that'll close it out. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to do those. I mean, obviously, those both those movies, I think, were, were a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed Aquaman a little bit more than Shazam. Bell actually enjoys Shazam a little bit more than Aquaman, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. There'll be some some good moments to to pull out as we uh, review those with our full on rose colored glasses. Also, want to encourage you uh, if uh, yeah if you're looking for something fun to do if you if you're trying to spend a little bit extra time at home trying to stay off uh, stay off the streets stay off of uh, you know going around to the store or what what have you trying to do uh, do the quarantine thing. Uh, we want to encourage you come play with us. We're doing some Minecraft at the Flashcraft server. Uh, you can DM us on Twitter to learn more about how you can join us there. We've also got some videos that uh, in the very near future will be a lot easier to find. But right now, if you go to uh, flashtvtalk.com or tvtalk.fm, uh, you can find the links to uh, to learn more about Flashcraft there, as well as the entire Rose Colored Retrospective series and more. Uh, if you want to support the show, please do head over to patreon.com slash tvtalk where you can learn more there. Uh, you can do things like join our Discord for some great discussion. Uh, we also have ways to keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at the real Bo York and Bella's at ring that bell. I spell my name B E A U. He spells his name B E A L L. We spell it that way because that's the way our parents spelled it. That's, that's how that works. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for us for this week. But for me, for Bell, for Bell's mom, Hi, mom. 
Go have a Justice League day. Snyder-tastic day. Go have a Snyder-tastic day. <laughs>